get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. And welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker, and it's 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle Smallman. How are you? Randy Carriker, I am doing great, riding high off another Cardinals victory. Three and one since the break. Here come the Cardinals. You go three and one every four games, you're going to do all right. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, are they capable of sustaining that? We oh. don't know, but. These moments, you need to relish them while we have them, Randy. I think relish is such an interesting word. Why? Because it makes you think of a hot dog? It does. Yeah. (laughs) Do you put relish on your hot dog? I do not. I don't use relish at all. Now, I have, like, if I go to the condiment station at the ballpark and I buy a dog and it's just sitting there, yes. But it's not like a destination condiment for me. I don't believe there is any relish in my refrigerator at home. I also do not own relish, and if I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, I'm getting a regular hot dog mustard down one side, yeah. ketchup down the other. However, if I'm in Chicago, I'll get a Chicago dog, which obviously has some relish on it. So Yeah, Vienna beef. Oh, delish with I, a big tomato yeah. wedge in there. So I'm not anti-relish, but I'm situationally a fan of, of relish. And I do relish the victory. I do relish <laughs> the stretch here that the Cardinals are in, and especially a game like last night, which... I like the Cardinals beat the Cubs eight to three. Jake Woodford was excellent for the Cardinals. I think better than anybody could have reasonably expected that he would be going five and two thirds, allowing one run on six hits. Didn't walk anybody. I was just going to say zero walks (laughs) for Jake Woodford. (laughs) Yeah. So Woody is in the Cardinals rotation, which is a good thing. And the Cardinals, Michelle, were able to take advantage of Cubs mistakes and Many times this year, it's been Cardinal mistakes that have been the crunchers. Their defense hasn't been the best. Their base running hasn't been the best. But last night, after the Cardinals got out to an early lead on a base hit by Dylan Carlson in the bottom of the third, bottom of the fourth, Marp is in the lineup, strikes out, okay? But then a throwing error by Patrick Wisdom puts Tyler O'Neill on base. Yachty single, so you got first and second. Tommy Ebnon walks, so now you've got the bases loaded for Tyler O'Neill, who steps to the plate and, or, or actually, uh, it was uh, Bader that's, I got this all messed up. Okay, I had it upside down. Bader steps to the plate with the bases loaded. Bader, first pitch. Baez, first play at the plate. A 3-0 lead for St. Louis. Three air 
first by the Cubs in the inning. Two by Baez, one by Patrick Wisdom. Javi Baez is one of the best defensive players in all of baseball, making the two errors to allow the runs to score. That second one did, and the Cardinals are up 3-0. Don't call it a streak, Randy, that the Cardinals are putting together some wins. But also with the Cubs, I wonder how much of what we're seeing with the Cubs is well, a, that they went into the break losing 12 of 15, even though they took mm-hmm. two of three from Arizona. But what would it be like to go out there and play every day, knowing that the clock is ticking on your team getting absolutely blown up? When you were very young, that actually happened to the 1990 Cardinals. Really? Because they had Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Tony Pena, Ken Daly, Terry Pendleton. They, they Almost their whole team was just like the Cubs. Everybody was going into their last year of their contract. Everybody was going to leave. And Whitey resigned in July of that year because he said, there's no way I'm going to win and I'm going to lose all my guys. And the next year, it was blown up. It was a completely different looking team. Really? Yeah. And those guys were all distracted. Nobody was happy. It was just a mess. And I can't imagine that it would be any different with the Cubs right now. Because when you see Javi Baez have a game like that, it's just human nature, at least for me, to wonder if these guys are thinking about what their team may look like in the next few days. Yeah, or, who you, or who's making calls about who or who's going to get moved first. Who are you playing for, right? <laughs> who, who are you playing for? Last Great night, who, who, are, who are those players playing for? And ultimately, that's what happened to the, the 90 Cardinals. And I don't see the Cubs every day, but I have to believe the players are playing for themselves more than anything else. Yeah. Right? You, you want to get the contract. That's not a good vibe. No, it's not. So then you got to walk from Dylan Carlson to put another run across. It was 4 nothing when Paul Goldschmidt stepped to the plate. The 0-1, and way out in front. Is anybody going to get to the bag? The answer is no, and a run will score. This is hard to believe. Now the Cardinals are scoring here in the home half of the fourth. Yeah, if you are keeping score, the Cardinals didn't hit a ball out of the infield and wound up scoring four runs. Devil magic? Yeah, devil magic is a good thing. But then they got back to their game in the sixth inning, You've got uh, runner on base, Paul DeYoung hit by a pitch, and you get Dylan Carlson to the plate. Carlson, deep right, stay fair, gone! Two-run homer, Dylan Carlson. And Goldie lifts it high in the air, out to right center, back to How about your St. Louis Cardinals? And how about your first baseman? How about Paul Goldschmidt? Right on cue, Randy, just when the weather gets hot, so does Paul Goldschmidt. We know that this is a trend. And the Cardinals need him to stay that hot. And Dylan Carlson, too. What a night for him. He was like that meme of the guy on fire that was just walking around. Mm -hmm. You need Dylan Carlson to continue to to give you support like that. Paul Goldschmidt, it's July 20th now. Granted, we did have the All-Star break. This month, hitting 392. With a 475 on base, a 706 slug, a 1.18 OPS. He's at five home runs and driven in 12 in 13 games. I'll take it. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he is hot, hot, hot. So the Cardinals come up with a victory. The Brewers off last night to the Cardinals gain a half game. Cards and Cubs tonight. And Trevor Williams presumably will go against Johan Oviedo. That hasn't been announced. It'll be officially announced 
who the Cardinals will go with later this morning. But at the moment, I'm thinking this is just me, Oviedo. That's what that's what we had guesstimated yeah. all along. Yeah, and it might, they might go with a bullpen game or something like that. I don't know. They Gant pitched last night, so it won't be him. TBA. Yeah. TBD, TBA, one of, one of those guys, yeah. Also, uh, good thing, I thought it was great for the Cardinals to be able to not only win last night, but put up so many runs when Nolan Arenado's not playing. Mike Schilt giving him a rest after the All-Star break. And you want, I wondered if that was the right time to do so, opening a series against the Cubs. This is a very important series for the Cardinals if they do want to go on a run here in the second half. And the Cardinals got it done without him. Michelle, it's very clear to me what the issues that, ail the Cardinal offense are. Oh. And it's just taking number 28 out of the lineup. <laughs> Take 28 out of the lineup, score eight runs. Coincidence? I think not. Everything starts clicking when he's not part of the yeah. equation. So there is your problem, Mo. Why do we lead the show with that? How do we get eight <laughs> minutes into the show without leading with Nolan Arnato, the, the problem with the Cardinals offense? We also have some starting pitching news for you. Mike Schilt announcing that Carlos Martinez underwent thumb surgery. He's out for the year and I think you and I both believe, most of Cardinal Nation would believe, that Carlos Martinez's days with the Cardinals are over. I would be floored if he was back with St. Louis. A $17.5 million option for next year. And just the history that he's had here with the Cardinals. I mean, Brady, I was doing a lot of research on Carlos last night. He made his debut in 2013, May 3rd. He's been with the team for nine seasons. Amazing. It's kind of hard to believe it's been nine seasons because... It just still feels like you never really got the Carlos that you expected to get. And he was one of those guys that you thought was going to be with the Cardinals for a long, mm-hmm. long time and was going to be the guy for the Cardinals for a long, long time. So to to think that this is really the end of the road and look down the path, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but look at what Carlos's Cardinals career actually looked like, not what we expected. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it does happen in sports now and then. But he was never the same after he signed the big contract. That happens. Yeah, so it might be him. So he's out. Meanwhile, the Cardinals, as you know, sending Miles Michaelis out on a rehab stint and Jack Flaherty not par- far behind. And there's some thought to actually having those two piggyback each other in a start. So, for example, Flaherty would go three, Michaelis would come in and he'd go three, and then you'd go with the Latin Heat after that if you have the lead. Here's Miles Michaelis. Anytime you can get Jack in a game for any amount of innings, uh, you know, that gives you a pretty steep advantage over the opposition. And, you know, if I'm following him up or he's following me up, however the the days work, if we flip a coin for it or something, uh, could be funny. But, uh, you know, anything I can do to, to get back on the field ASAP and, and help the team. We need both of them to get back ASAP. Yeah. Who would you start first? Would you go Flaherty Michaelis or Michaelis Flaherty? Because... And there's obviously different thought processes on this that you and I both have. Because of the efficiency of Miles Michaelis, I like the idea of getting him in there and have a better chance to get four innings out of him because of the inefficiency of Jack Flaherty. And oh, by the way, when he got hurt, he had become much more efficient. But historically, he's been a guy that throws 20, 25 pitches in an inning. I think I would rather go with Flaherty as my number two guy in that scenario. I'd much rather have them both start if that were an option. But if I'm going to go with that, if I'm going to go with the piggyback, I think I'm going to go with Flaherty with Jack coming out of the bullpen. I'm sorry, Michaelis with Jack coming out of the bullpen. So you're going Michaelis Flaherty. Yeah. 
See, I think I'm going to reverse that. I'm going Flaherty Michaelis, and it's twofold. Number one, when Jack Flaherty gets the ball and starts the game for you, it just takes on a different tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a little bit more intimidated as the opposition, and I know prior to injury what Jack Flaherty is more than I know what Miles Michaelis is. Jack Flaherty was outstanding for the Cardinals 8-1 and one this season before he dealt with the oblique. It's been a while since Miles Michaelis has pitched, and I think I'd rather go with a known commodity to start the game. Or a, mo- a more recently known commodity. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals come up with with those two. Also, NBA Finals game six tonight, Suns and Bucks. Bucks with a chance to wrap it up at home at Fiserv Arena. You can hear the game here on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. Zach Levine not on the U.S. Olympic men's basketball team to flight to Tokyo after entering COVID-19 protocols. So that team is falling apart a little bit. Every day there is a, a new new bit of news about this team. It seems like every day there's a new player or someone's opting out or testing positive. Not great. And if the NBA championship ends tonight, tomorrow, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Devin Booker will be on a plane to Tokyo and they'll be able to join the team, which will provide some much needed reinforcements. By the way, USA Basketball said in a, said in a statement that it hoped Zach Levine would be able to join the team in Japan later this week. That would be great. Do you think the Bucks close it out tonight? I do. I do, home. too. I do, too. And yeah. I'm hoping that that happens. If they win it, I hope that their fans get it at home. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And one more note for you. Peyton and Eli Manning are going to headline a new alternate Monday Night Football broadcast over the next three seasons, at least 10 games a year. It'll be part of the mega cast on ESPN2. And Peyton and Eli will be sitting watching the game with celebrities and other sports stars with them in a studio. And we'll be able to get the thoughts of Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football, which to me, will be better than the broadcasts that they have right now. So I was going to ask you this because, in theory, this sounds great. You get both Mannings, who are obviously both Super Bowl champions, amazing NFL quarterbacks. They're both really funny. They're clearly connected, so the celebrities that they have aren't going to be some reality star. They're going to have big names that are joining them. But do you think that they're going to say anything? That's my question is, yeah, they can get in there and joke, but are we going to get any actual analysis out of these guys or are they going to be afraid to criticize somebody? It's supposed to be like watching a game with friends. I have trouble believing that Eli and Peyton can get in a room together and watch a game and not analyze because they're just so football centric. I I think it's going to be very difficult. And yeah, I I think so. You see it with uh, Peyton Manning's, Features on ESPN Plus when he does the detail segments, he gets very critical of other players. So I, I have to think that he would do that here too. When you watch a game with your friends, though, they're lo- yelling at the TV they're like, "For God's sake, what are you thinking?" They're not. But, I, I just can't see any of them actually being super critical, especially on a uh, and on the detail segment. You're he's actually breaking it down. That's the job as he's breaking yeah. down the play. I'm just wondering in real time if they would do something like Tony Romo would. I, I kind of think they will because number I hope one, they do. I, I have to. I have to believe they'll have telestrators. And we say, "What are you thinking?" But those guys have a pretty good idea of what the teams are trying to do. And they can tell us why things didn't work. We can say that didn't work, but Peyton and Eli can say, yeah, it didn't work. Here's why. Now, we knew that Peyton was going to go into broadcasting. Did you ever, when he was playing, think that Eli Manning would have been a great broadcaster? No, never. But I do believe that those guys together are pretty funny. From when I've heard them, it's, it's pretty fun. I'll be tuned in. 
Yeah, I will too. I, I'm going to watch that telecast rather than the other one. I don't think there's any doubt that they'll be great. And by the way, uh, Omaha Productions, this will be an Omaha Peyton Manning's production company. Did you see everything that they're doing? It's unbelievable what he's got going on. He's got he's got as much content as any individual, except for maybe Jeff Bezos, on <laughs> Earth. It's, it's unreal what they've got going on. Uh, did you expect him to not do something 110% if he was going to do it, though? Yeah, but I didn't know it would be this big. He's got, like, five different people doing places, like his Peyton's places. Mm-hmm. He's got four or five different people doing that. He's got this thing going on. Including Eli, right, with college yeah, football? right. Right. It's pretty amazing. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We've got a game of What's Better on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Appreciate your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And Michelle, Randy, and Emily have a little game of what's better. And we want to hear your questions. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 314, what's better? Rodman's Pistons team or Rodman's Bulls team? Well. I got to go with the Bulls. They won more <laughs> championships. They had Michael Jordan. They had Scottie Pippen. All due respect to Lambeer and Rodman and Mahorn and... Isaiah, but uh, I'm going to go with the Bulls. Yeah. No disrespect to those Pistons teams. I'll disrespect them. They were goons. <laughs> goons is such a great word that is not used enough. <laughs> it is such a great word, a goon. But it, are you really going to take any team over those Jordan Bulls during that era? No. no of course not. No. And by the way, the Bulls, as we know, needed that Pistons team to become as great as they were. Mm-hmm. So they, they were that Pistons team was pretty darn good. But yeah, I'd go with the Bulls. From the 217, what's better? Watching the Cubs dynasty, in quotes, <laughs> fall apart or watching the Cardinals win? Both are pretty sweet. I think uh, last night was kind of fun watching the Baez and, uh, and Wisdom show. I feel bad for my Cub fan friends because you know, when you have a dynasty that lasts that long and then it falls apart like this, it's got to be disappointing. I mean, think of all the World Series they won and all of the pennants that they won and all the playoff series that they won. And to have that, to see that fall apart like it is, it has to be just so disappointing, Michelle. They didn't win that much, Randy. Oh. Never mind. (laughs) So then it's more fun to watch the Cardinals win. I'm always going to take the team that I am watching and the team that I support winning over any other team doing poorly. There was a time, though, that the Cubs thought they were pretty good in the late 80s. They had an outfielder named Brant Brown. They were in the hunt in September. And there's a classic call. I think you can find it on YouTube. Ron Santo and I, I think Pat Hughes was doing the games. And a fly ball to center field to end the game. And Brant Brown goes to the wall and drops it. And it's, he dropped the ball. And Ron Santo going, oh, my God. It was great. It was classic. So that kind of stuff. For that particular franchise, having Bartman happen, it it is 
not kind of. It's pretty enjoyable to watch that kind of thing happen. Because they're lovable losers. Yeah. But I think that's kind of the whole point is if you're going to put your energy into one or the other, the Cardinals need some positive energy towards some wins right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Cubs, even if they have a modicum of success, even though they won the World Series in 16, Cubs are going to Cub. You know, eventually it will self-regulate. They will look down and see that C with the Cubby Bear on their chest and say, oh. We aren't supposed to be here. What's going on? And then on? something will happen. And that's why I thought it was great last night that the Cardinals didn't strike out, except for Matt Carpenter. It's okay, Matt. Just put the ball in play. Just see if they can catch it. Take your chances. Yeah. And that's 100 years of history. Uh, they, they had one year where they caught it. But for the most part, well, maybe one of their fans will catch it. Maybe Bram Brown will drop it. For, for the most part, over the course of, what, 110 years now, 113, for the most part, they look down, they see that see on their chest, and they know they're going to drop the ball. From the 615 What's Better, Stan Kroenke at Camp Crystal Lake or Kevin Demoff on Elm Street. I don't get it. This is What's good. Camp Crystal Horror Lake? movies. It's from Friday the 13th. Oh, never seen it. Okay. And Elm Street. I'm a, Oh, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street? Yes. Okay. Never seen that either. I'm going to go with Kroenke at Crystal Lake because that's the head of the snake. Oh, Okay. Okay. He's the one that made the phone call that said, this is the best piece of land for a football stadium I've ever seen. Uh, the other one is the snake, right? But the head of the snake is at Camp Crystal Lake. No, the other one's kind of a weasel sidekick. Yeah. You know? Sure is. Yeah, there's. he's got some weasley traits, doesn't he? I would say so. What's the, what horror movie is uh, Demoff in? Elm Street. Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, it's good. I like it. Uh, is that Freddy Krueger? Yes. Uh, okay. And which one's Chucky? Chucky's Halloween. Chucky is just himself. Chucky oh. is Chucky. Okay. Halloween I, is Michael Myers. I, right. There you go. Halloween. So yeah. I don't like horror movies. They're kind of fun on Halloween. I, I'm more of a hocus pocus girl. Okay. Sanderson sisters all the way. Gotcha. I don't like to terrify myself. <laughs> I'm I'm already worried about walking down dark alleys alone. I don't need to think that someone's going to come stab me. That's not going to happen. Don't worry Just about saying. it. Okay. Don't need to. And what what was the first one? There's a snake in the water. No, you're just playing off what Randy said. Oh, he, he's Camp just calling. Lake? Yes, that's from um, Friday the Thirteenth. Right, but yeah. what's what's the? He's just calling. He's just calling Stan Kroenke the head of the snake. But what's scary about Camp Crystal Lake? It's a scary camp. Oh, it's a scary camp. Yeah. Now, is, a murderous camp? Even if he's there, is Stan going to be afraid? Well, I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able to understand the emotion since 2002. So, no, he's not going to be afraid because he doesn't feel emotion. Oh, okay. Noted. I'm sorry. Chucky is from Child's Play, but he does have his own movies. Okay. And he's also. the Raiders coach. That's right. Nice. I wouldn't be afraid of him. We would just go get some buffalo wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from the 314, what's better? Overpaying for Landis Cog for $9 million a year or having to trade prospects or draft picks for Matthew Kachuk? Matthew Kachuk. Um, All day, every day. No disrespect to Landis Cog, great player, but we want Kachuk. Yes, he's 23. He fits what the Blues are. He knows St. Louis. And I- I'm thinking $9 million a year for... I'd rather pay $9 million a year for, if I have to... Eventually, in a couple of years, I'd rather pay the nine million a year for Matthew than I would for Landis Scott. So would I. 
All right. This one's for Michelle from the 314. Oh. This is a Starbucks edition. Oh, okay. PSL or peppermint mocha? Uh, let's go mocha all the way. I love a holiday-themed beverage. And I got, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Pumpkin spice latte is overrated. Really? Yeah. I'm not that basic. As you know, yesterday was Patrick Carricker's birthday, and that was one of the things that he asked for for lunch was a pumpkin spice latte. He loves it. On July 19th? Oh, well, his Twitter bio identifies him as a pumpkin enthusiast. But on July 19th? It was a cold brew. Still. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yep. Love you, Patrick Carricker, but I can't go. I can't go there, as Spags would say. I, there's a very specific window for me of anything pumpkin related. November, uh, October, November. It starts October first, and it ends the day after Thanksgiving. That's it. Okay. No pumpkin pie. No pumpkin really? spice lattes. Wow. Yeah. Day okay. after Thanksgiving, the tree is up. We're going full peppermint. Huh. It is Christmas, the day yeah. after Thanksgiving, at least in my house, the day after Thanksgiving. There's it is never Christmas season. a time for peppermint in my life. Never. Never. No. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm bad about that. You want to get a peppermint hot chocolate? Nope. Dang, Randy. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, we're going to talk to the sporting director of uh, St. Louis City SC, Lutz Fonensteel. Some really exciting things happening with youth soccer with St. Louis City SC. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN on this Tuesday morning. We go right to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the sporting director for St. Louis City SC, Lutz Fonensteel, kind enough to join us. Great things happening with St. Louis City SC as they take another step towards building an unbelievable youth soccer development program here. Andreas Schumacher has been hired as the club's academy head coach, and he'll be joined by Louis Swisher and David Critchley and Evan Kavedzik and as academy assistant coaches, and this is going to start this fall. It's pretty incredible. Lutz, thanks for joining us here this morning. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, we want to start with this. Where does this youth program come from? Is this the way things are done in Europe, where you have uh, such exceptional youth programs like this? Well, you know, I think we want to really uh, go our own way and, and have our own ideas. But, of course, you do look overseas, and, and I worked my, my whole life uh, in, in, in the Bundesliga. So, for me, it was clear that we have to focus on having an unbelievable, uh, good coaching setup and organization setup if we want to develop homegrown talent. That's why I decided, uh, you know, to really uh, have a long process of, of, of trying to, to, to get the perfect fit for us and uh yeah, we ended up exactly with the coaches you just mentioned uh, over a, a long period, looking at them, analyzing them, and believe that that's exactly the guys who can uh, implement the, the, the playing philosophy, the playing idea we have. Lutz, well, Andreas Schumacher is going to be the head coach, and you, you talked about the ideas that you want the academy to have. What sort of coach is Andreas Schumacher? What's his coaching philosophy? I think, uh, you know, uh, he has an unbelievable experience, even though he's still he's still young, um, working in the Bundesliga as an assistant coach already at the professional at, at top level. 
uh, and also being a great developer uh, in his last job in, in Stuttgart, uh, bringing players as a face coach from the youth setup into the pro team. So exactly that uh, what uh, we were looking for to really make that step as a development coach, as an academy head coach, to find the right talent, to, to work individually with them as well and get them into the pro setup. Uh, well, the philosophy is basically something I discussed with him in, in many talks where we say we want to play um, a very high-pressing football, a very entertaining, uh, attacking-minded football, uh, you know, and being positively aggressive, making it very difficult for the opponent. So it's a very modern, intense game with, with, with highly pressed up and, and trying to give the, the opponent not much time on the ball and not really let them breathe. Lutz, how will young people in St. Louis be able to make the U16 and U17 teams that you're going to have? Where are you going to get your young players? Well, we already have now, you know, the U16 and U17, we, we, we finalized them, uh, the squad having said finalized. I mean, the door is always open. So it was a long process since, uh, basically since the day I arrived in, in, in August last year. We started to, to build these this two teams, U16 and U17, with different way of, 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 of scouting and different way of trials. So we had uh, trials for invitation players, which we did scout via the high school uh, system and also watching lots of games. We had trials by recommendation where we looked at some of the academy players, but we also had open trials where a few of the guys who came through the open trials made it into these like, two academy teams. So, But that's just the start. It's two age groups, it's two teams which start to play this fall, and then it's a continuous process uh, introducing another team uh, coming up in, uh, in, in, in early next year and obviously another two teams in the summer till we have our whole youth setup and development setup ready before in 2023 we can uh, finally you know, bring the pro team also in, into the city. But for now, uh, it's uh, all thoughts and, and, and all effort and all passion really goes into the, uh, building this academy and, and, and focusing now on these two first age groups that's the pioneers, that's the first boys who were in the, the crest on the chest. Uh, I'm really proud of, of every single one of them because they, they you know they showed a lot of a lot of passion, a lot of effort in, in the recent weeks. And I think we're good to go. Hey Lutz, what does success look like in your youth program? Is it getting one MLS player? Is it getting an MLS player every five years? If if this is as good as you can get it. What sort of MLS talent are you getting out of these programs that you're putting together? Well, I think we have the, the unique uh, uh, advantage and the unique possibility that we're starting everything from scratch. So I believe, you know, uh, the first the first two three years we will get quite a bigger group of players through our uh, our academy into the into the pro setup. That is the big goal. I don't really want to put any any numbers on it because uh, it would be it would be unfair to to everybody. But I believe that we will have a, a good group of players coming through the academy in the in the MLS squad. Uh, success in, in in the youth development, of course, you want to win games and you want to create a winning mentality. But we have to also focus on making individual player better, getting the individual player ready to become a professional player, regardless if he becomes a professional player in St. Louis for us, or maybe also in another team, that is something which, which we need to focus on to get these boys through the system. Uh, that's the one part. But the other part, uh, you know, on-field success is that what I just described. But I think for us here in the academy, the off-field success is just as important. We want to create leaders. We want to create good personalities, good human beings. And I think that is something which is just as important to get these this young players 
uh, a certain behavior and certain uh, I would be well I would say a certain way of living uh, on their way. So that's together with creating better athletes and better players to also create good people. I think that must be our our our, our big task. I love that. It's a, a holistic approach mm-hmm. to teaching these young men. Lutz, once these players are in the academy system, once they're on that team, what's the pathway to the MLS look like? What's that timeline for them? And I know, I know it probably varies player to player, but typically what's that timeline look like? Well, the, uh, you know, the MLS Next competition uh, starts now uh, this fall and, and, and goes into, into the spring, I think, till around probably May or June. So that is the, the the first two groups will play that. However, we will also have a, an LDL team uh, coming in early next year, the lower division league uh, from the MLS. And we clearly decided that we want to have a very young team, uh, again, giving our local talents that possibility to be part of that. So uh, I think a, a decent group of, of our now U17 players will move up into the LDL team already. And... Yeah, and it's basically a season which goes pretty parallel with the MLS next year, uh, starting probably March, April and going into October, November. And that's the the group of players which have a really great shot to be part of the selection uh, for the pro team in in late 2022 or early 2023. Um, And then from then on, I mean, we we keep on feeding players from our academy system, U15, U16, U17, into that development team uh, and LDL team. And, well, you know, as you said, we hope to get as many players through uh, into into the pro setup. But even the LDL team is like, I would call it like a young pro league for our own players to, to we can groom them, we can, we can teach them, we can develop them, we can make them better. And uh, I think that, that for us, the way we have our philosophy in the club to have that LDL team coming uh, early next year, it's really perfect because it's this transition step between being a, a young player, being a youth player, and being a pro player. A couple more quick things for Lutz Fahnenstiel, the sporting director for St. Louis City SC. Uh, Andreas Schumacher can't make it because of COVID restrictions. He can't make it to the, to the States right away. You have to be excited because you're going to be the acting head coach, and I know that that's something that you have a real passion for. Yeah, you know, I mean, I still hope that Andy is here uh, pretty soon. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite quite difficult at the moment, but that's something you can't really, really change. That's, uh, that's the way it is. So for now, I, I stepped in on, on that caretaker manager position as well. But as you mentioned before, all the guys we have, all the guys we hired, you know, they are they very talented uh, coaches who are, who are able to, 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 to support that role uh, very, very well. So we're just working together. There's a big coaching team. We're sitting together every day in the office after the morning sessions to, to, to plan the next week and, and going through the detail. And uh, Andy Schumacher is involved. Uh, like, uh, you know, I think the world told us last year that uh, Zoom and Teams is a, is a very nice way to communicate with the camera. And uh, Andy is every day involved in the planning of the sessions on the big screen. So he's not here physically, but he's here mentally and, and we see him every day on the screen. So I think we, we have found already a good working pattern there to, to really plan the sessions. And uh, I do my little part and everybody else do their little part as well. 
Lutz, I think the last time we spoke to you, you were in Europe watching the Euro. And I know Randy and I, so many people here in St. Louis were captivated by the Euro final. What an unbelievable game between Italy and England. When you look at that Italian team, they missed the World Cup in 2018. Then they go on to win the Euro in 2021. How do you think they were able to turn things around? You know, I was uh, lucky or unlucky enough to be uh, 2017 in the stadium to to watch Italy losing against against Sweden and not qualifying for the for the World Cup when well, thousands of people were literally crying next to me. Uh, the way wow. they they transformed that moment was simply by the right choice of manager. I think Chris Mancini they brought a guy who who was who was very clever but also brave enough to 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 change things. Uh, to to go against, uh, I would say, a way which was uh, people were too used to. He tried over 70 players in in, in a short period, and he found exactly the right mixture between very strong, experienced players, but also some really talented youngsters. He mixed them together, and tactically, I think we saw some very modern Italy. I will call it a new Italy. Uh, forget the times when they were just defending deep, trying to win one nil. Now they're going for the second and the third goal. They're pressing high. And lots of the things you saw, the way they, they pressed up front, they tried to make the game smaller. They tried to give the, the opponent not much time. That's exactly an approach we will have as well, uh, just from the from the playing style and the philosophy that that was very, very modern football. And I think over the whole tournament, Italy was the best team and they deserved to win that European championship. Michelle likes to hear that. Yes, I do. My family's from Italy, Lutz. <laughs> You see, I think I didn't know that, but uh, it was a good choice that I had. <laughs> Lutz, thanks so much for taking some time. Congratulations on the advent of the youth program for St. Louis City SC. We're very excited about the growth of this program. It's going to be great to watch, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. That is Lutz Fonenstiel, Sporting Director for St. Louis City SC, and a lot of really exciting things happening on the soccer front here in St. Louis. I, I got so fired up when he said he was so proud of the team that was constructed and that he can't wait to see them out there wearing the crest. I can't wait to see that either. They'll be the first players that in City SC's history to go out there and wear that crest. It'll be amazing. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time for Tioli on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, and Emily with you. Michelle, yesterday, somebody named Damien tweeted at Deshaun Watson and said, Yo, Deshaun Watson, you playing this season? I've had you as my fantasy quarterback since 2017. Like this tweet if you're playing this year. Don't want to waste a pick. Deshaun Watson liked it. Take it or leave it. Deshaun Watson is playing this year. I'm going to take it. I was going to take it before he liked the tweet. Yeah, he thinks he's going to play. It's probably an informed like. I, I would think so. I wouldn't think he would like it if he was just still hoping that he was going to play. I would think he he likely knows. I mean, it's July 20th, Randy. Yeah, we're starting camp here <laughs> in the next week. We're starting camp. I think he, he likely knows what his future holds, at least from a football standpoint, at least right now. Okay, one more then. Sure. Take it or leave it. It's with the Texans that he plays. That's a good one. I don't know if that relationship is too fractured for it to actually happen. He's obviously lost a lot of his bargaining chips Mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, his position with the Texans. 
I'm going to take that we at least see him with the Texans at some point, whether it's the beginning of camp. But I don't think he's going to start game one under under center for the for the Texans. I wonder if you are the Texans in Houston. You talk about a fractured relationship. I would think the the relationship with the community has to be severely fractured. You would think so. I don't know how you bring that guy, put that guy on a field in Houston for your home team. No. Okay, Randy, take it or leave it. At some point in the next few weeks, month and a half, we will consider giving Jeff Albert an apology. I'm going to leave that. Okay. I was kind of alarmed yesterday when they had the youngster Baez, their second round pick in, and there's a photo, uh, I think it was on Channel 5, a shot of Jeff Albert talking to him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm going to leave that. I'm looking at, I'm not going to look at a month's worth of work. I'm going to look at the three years. Most will. But if they go on on a run here, and let's say the offense really does pop off, I just wonder if that's something that's going to be presented, at least from the organization. Jeff Albert has really, yeah. yeah. That's going to be hard for Paul DeYoung to get above 215 this season. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll hit 250 or something like that. I don't know. But Paul DeYoung still had the first half that he had. And we still had the issues that we had with Matt Carpenter, who has regressed. You didn't have... The, the expect, expected offense, even from your big guys, during the first half of the season. That first half of the season was still a thing. We all look for confirmation bias, mm-hmm. though. And so if if the offense does go off, I can imagine the Cardinals will be saying, look at the offensive approach. We yes. found the right way to have the high-level curriculum be delivered to the players. And my thing is going to be, I'm going to go back to the Tommy Edmund day, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say that Actually, it was when they decided not to listen to Jeff Albert. It's when they decided to take matters into their own hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Emily, what do you got for us? From the 618, take it or leave it, MLS will become more popular than NFL in the metro area. That's hard. That's really hard. I'm going to leave it. In terms of television ratings, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it as well. The NFL has a huge head start on MLS. Let's just get that out of the way. I also think that so many people are invested in the NFL from a fantasy standpoint, from a gambling standpoint. That's the key. And it's once a week. They own Sundays. So it's, it's very easy for the casual fan to be invested in the NFL. So I think it will take, even though this is a soccer hotbed and this team is going to have immense support from St. Louis, I think it's going to take a while to match what the Rams were, especially during their peak here in St. Louis. Yeah, and, and I think that once we get going in 2023, in September, mid-September, we'll talk about the Cardinals and we'll talk about MLS before we talk about the NFL on this show. We're going to talk about St. Louis. Correct. So here it's going to be covered more, but I just don't think that in St. Louis, right off the bat at least, it's going to be more popular. From the 636, take it or leave it, Taylor Twelman would be a great first coach for St. Louis City SC. I'll take that. He would be a great first anything for St. Louis City SC. He's clearly a brilliant soccer mind and is has a diverse skill set. Do I think he will be the first head coach? No, but I think he would be a great coach. And he would be able to put together a great staff, too. Oh, yeah. But I'm with you. 
he's doing pretty well with the media thing. I would say so. He's kind of the face of soccer here in America. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> this one's from Jeff in St. Charles. Take it or leave it. Paul DeYoung gets to 250 and 25 home runs. You know he's got a chance. Let's see where he is right I'm just now. Say, let's pull that up. Because uh, he almost got to 200, which under the circumstances. He's, right now he's got 13 home runs, hitting 202. Okay, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say he gets to the 25 home runs, but I'm going to say that he winds up hitting in the 230s or 240s, that he doesn't get to 250. Would you be okay with that as long as he gets the 25 home runs? Unacceptable. No, they have to have much more of a dynamic offensive presence from that position. That's just, that's not enough. If he hits 235, no, that... For where the Cardinals are, they need offense from their infield. They have to have more from that position. From the 314, take it or leave it. Tonight, the Cardinals need to take the knife and stab it through the eye of the Cubs. You know, Michelle, I'm inclined to uh, to go along with Army here. Can I make one more point, by the way, about going back to DeYoung? Yeah, of course. Tommy Edmonds is not that great offensively. Tommy Edmonds is a problem offensively, too. And that's we, we don't talk about him because DeYoung was so incredibly poor hitting 160 or whatever mm-hmm. but Tommy Edmonds OPS is like in 680 and he is not performing at a very high level now in regards to uh whether or not the Cardinals can and will you need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them take it oh definitely take it yeah the Cubs are in a vulnerable position right now they're waking up every morning wondering where they're going to play what their team's going to look like they're wondering if their teammates and their buddies might be shipped off to another team expose and attack that vulnerability army style and wouldn't it be a little sweet if the Cardinals swept the Cubs and then a day or two later pieces start falling that'd be great you know take advantage of this while you can not only because it's always great to beat your rival but because the Cardinals need it yeah they, <laughs> they do need they, they, they need W's absolutely from the 636, take it or leave it, the new CBA and MLB should include the reverting back to a 154-game schedule, but expand the postseason. Hmm. I don't oh, know if I... Oh, go ahead. I, I would like that. I, w- I would take it, but my preference, Michelle, would be to actually maintain the 162, but play only 154 days so that you add in double headers. Seven-inning double headers? You could do that. Yeah, that'd be great. So add in... So you take away eight games and play eight doubleheaders. What do you think about expanding the playoffs? I totally agree that they have to do that. That's what people care about, right? Right. Yeah. L- last year's playoffs were fun. Do it like did last year. That, that was cool. I have no problem with that. I have no problem. I don't think it dilutes the regular season because that's always the argument. If you expand, expand the playoffs, will it dilute things? And I think the more eyeballs that you can get on baseball, whether it's a play-in game or a postseason game, I think that that's a win for the sport. So I'm going to take it. All right. Thanks, Emily. I got one more kind oh, of fun one. I'd like to like it. real quick. From the 618, take it or leave it. Pat Maroon will be drafted by the Seattle Kraken. I'm going to leave it. I'll leave that too. Yeah. I don't think that they're ready. And they should be a pretty good team. But I don't think they're ready where they need to add a glue room guy yet. They need to get skill more than anything else. By the way, I read a piece that uh, apparently they're 
negotiating with Gabriel Landeskog. The Kraken? Yeah. Whoa. So that'll be interesting. That's the face of your franchise right there. Yeah, that'll be a good start. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. The Cardinals win, but they lose Carlos Martinez. That's coming up next. Our fresh take here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. In St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. The Cardinals with an 8-3 victory over the Cubs last night. Dylan Carlson drove home four. Jake Woodford, five and two-thirds innings. He was strong. He struck out five through 80 pitches, and he will get another start for the Cardinals. And the Redbirds will play tonight. They still haven't officially announced their starter. Let me check and see if they've... I don't think they've announced it. Probably won't come until 9 o'clock or so. But I'm thinking that it might be Johan Oviedo. I am going to their Twitter right now. Cardinals.com does not have... It still says TBD. Yeah, we got a text last night at 9... Heck, it was after 10. uh, That said... Oh, it was after midnight. The Cardinals will announce their starting pitcher for Tuesday's game versus Chicago in the morning. Thank you for your patience. Yes. So... But I will say this. I just pulled up the Cardinals' Twitter feed. And happy 47th birthday to Benji Molina, the Cardinals' Spanish radio broadcaster. HBD Benji. HBD to Benji Molina. Hope you have a great day. Hopefully the Cardinals pull out a victory for Benji today. That would be wonderful. So the Cardinals come away with a victory last night. They've got the Cubs again tonight. And, Michelle, we learned yesterday afternoon that not only did... Carlos Martinez have a torn ligament in his thumb, but he has undergone surgery for that ligament in his thumb. Here we are on July 20th. The season ends at the end of September, and it is pretty certain that Carlos Martinez has thrown his last pitch of the season for the Cardinals, which would be his last pitch ever for the Cardinals. And you mentioned it right off the top of our show an hour ago. We never really did get the full on the field, Carlos Martinez. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Pretty immature. His, I, I don't know that on the field he ever really developed a, a maturity level that should have matched his talent level. Talent level may have been unmatched in Major League Baseball. But as the old line goes, and I, I can say this, I think, with a, a reasonable amount of certainty. He had a million dollar arm and a 10 cent brain. (laughs) Dang, Randy. (laughs) Well, just saying. No, I get it. I get it. With all due respect. You did say with all due respect. No, you're right. Carlos Martinez, nine seasons with the Cardinals, which is hard to believe because time really flew. Those nine Mm -hmm. seasons really flew. He was called up on May 3rd, 2013. He was the number three prospect in the organization. And for a while there, everybody thought, oh, this is going to be the guy who's going to be the guy for the Cardinals. Look at the talent that he has. He is so, his stuff is so nasty. He could absolutely be an ace or a 1A, 1B type guy for the Cardinals. How many times did we say, imagine a postseason rotation of insert some guy and Carlos Martinez as the one-two punch. And it never really came to fruition. Now, his peak really was through 2015-2017 where he won 31 games twice and 32 games in 20... Oh, excuse me, through 2018 he won 33 games... Or he played 33 games, excuse me. Um, 
He only, that's really it though, 2015 through 2018. And then since then, there's been about five to seven injuries. He's had a right lat strain, a right oblique strain, a right shoulder strain, another shoulder in 2019, the oblique last season, an ankle, and now the thumb. And had the legal issues, was involved yes. with that fight on the east side with uh, Oscar Tavares and Marcelo Zuna. Uh, obviously was accused of things and uh, was never convicted, but had those distractions that he had to deal with. And I, I go back to the immaturity. I remember one time hearing a story about how his Tsunami Foundation brought Albert Pujols down to the Dominican to do a Tsunami Foundation event with a bunch of kids. And Albert shows up, no Carlos. And Albert starts doing things with the kids, no Carlos. Carlos shows up really late for his own foundation event with Albert Pujols being there on time. Not good. No, and those, that's just kind of, you say, well, that's Carlos, but it is. And that's what the Cardinals have had to deal with over the years in terms of the, the maturity level. Now, Mike Schilt had him in 2012. So we're talking nine years ago, right before he came up. And Mike Schilt has shown a great amount of allegiance to Carlos Martinez. The entire organization has. I don't think the Cardinals have done one thing wrong in their handling of Carlos Martinez or trying to get him to grow up. It just never happened. And now with this unfortunate injury, I wonder if he's wasted that talent that he has. I think, if anything, the Cardinals are only guilty of being too patient or too delicate with him at times. I mean, I always go back to 2019, the winter warm-up, or was it heading into 2020? I believe it was heading into 2020. Yeah. So you and I were there, and Carlos spoke, and I was very impressed with him because for the first time in a long time, he seemed very mature, very motivated. He talked about how in the offseason, all he did was work. He had one focus, and that was to be a starting pitcher, and a starting pitcher consistently for the Cardinals, and they dangled that carrot out there for him for a long time, where I think a lot of other organizations may have been fed up with everything that they had had to deal with, whether it be the off-field stuff, or the injuries, or just not being able to count on him sometimes when he's out there. If things were to implode, you knew that, okay, this is not something he's going to be able to reel back in during a game and he always got those opportunities because the talent had yeah. always been there and I, the similarities although different are there between he and Vladimir Tarasenko also make his, made his debut in 2013 mm -hmm. both both guys unlimited potential unlimited talent had the chance to be a once in a generation type player for St. Louis sports fans for their respective teams both guys had an unfortunate run with injuries and both guys had one clearly more severe than the other though things that were said about them as teammates and about being able to rely on them as teammates and it's interesting that their paths are parallel in some ways and that the end of the road is coming for both of them yeah and later on in the show and if you want to leave us a mic drop on the rhino shield mic drop here at 101 espn whose st louis career was more disappointing to you was it vladdy Laddie had the championship, which helps. Or was it Carlos Martinez? We'll take your mic drops coming up at 9.30 here on 101 ESPN. One other point I want to make about Carlos. I, I don't want to pe get pe have people have the impression that he's a mean or malicious guy. No. Because from our dealings with him, and this has nothing to do with the legal issues, from our dealings with him, he, he smiles, he's amenable, 
he appears to have a good heart. He, from a baseball perspective, from what we've seen, he wants to do the right thing. He just doesn't do the right thing. You know, but I don't think that from my observation of him, like in his dealings with the media, he, he's never been a mean or malicious guy. No. Now, if you got in a fight with him, you might think otherwise. But obviously, <laughs> from my perspective, he hasn't. Well, I think it all comes back to the word maturity. Because yeah. when you're young, you don't think about how your actions will have consequences and how those consequences affect those around you. And when you're a baseball player that's representing an organization and representing a city, your actions don't just directly affect you. They reflect the organization that has poured so much into you, especially from a financial perspective. So even this past season, when there's a global pandemic going on and all baseball players need to do really or professional athletes is lay low. Just lay low. Mm -hmm. Don't be the headline. Carlos is in the news where he gets in trouble for being out shooting a music video without a mask on. Mm -hmm. All he had to do was lie low. And he probably thinks I'm Carlos Martinez. I can do what I want. And it, it did it affect him that much in the long run? Not really. But I think it's just those micro events of things that have added up over time for Carlos Martinez, where he's not thinking about the Cardinals and he's not thinking about how getting in trouble for something like that would represent mm -hmm. the organization that signs his checks. He's just thinking about doing what he wants to do. And I want to make one other quick point here because it just came to mind. I remember when in the 2014 postseason when Oscar Tavares passed away and the way that Carlos reacted to that and obviously took Oscar Tavares number and honored him. I thought that was going to be a huge wake up call and mm -hmm. point of starting maturity for Carlos Martinez. And it didn't work out that way. But I, I, I guess I'm as guilty as the Cardinals have been in hoping that he would grow up and realize his potential. That just shows you how rare the talent is yeah. that we continuously have this conversation season in and season out. And I'm with you. When something like that happens in your life and you're dramatically affected by the loss of not only one of your best friends, but your teammates, you realize that life isn't promised to anyone and your career certainly isn't. And I would think in that moment that it would be a wake up call that you would look at that situation and say, not only do I want to play to honor my friend, but I know that all of this could be taken away from me in the blink of an eye. Let's just take, you know, living and dying off the table. An injury can end your career mm -hmm. like that. It could all be over just like that. And it seems like there were moments where Carlos got that and you saw him motivated to give the Cardinals everything he had. But unfortunately, whether it was an injury or what, whatever it may be, there was always something that disrupted it. That's today's Fresh Take with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Cubs are only a game behind the Cardinals in the National League Central, but they seem like they're worlds apart. Who would you rather be in from a position standpoint? The Cardinals for the next five years or the Cubs? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hey, Michelle's going to be at Westport Social Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. as a celebrity bartender. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thanks. You're going to be there with Lux from The Point yep. and learn from Casey, and that'll be great. And attendees are going to practice for Westport Social's Bar Olympics. You can enjoy delicious food, drinks, your chance to win 101 ESPN prizes, and show off your skills at all the games inside Westport Social for Bar Olympics and get a drink from Michelle. 
So here's the pros of me as a bartender, Randy. I'm going to listen to all of your problems. It's a Friday. If you've had a bad day, I'll throw a joke your way, make you laugh a little bit, boost your spirits. The the cons is a pretty big one. Whatever you order, you're getting a vodka soda. I don't know how to make any cocktails. So you order a Manhattan, you're getting a vodka soda. Pina colada, guess what? Vodka soda. Hope you like vodka sodas if you're coming to me. It's all happening Friday from 4 to 6 with Michelle at Westport Social located at Westport Plaza. It'll be fun, though. Lux, Learn, and I together, we're going to have a great time. So come out and hang out with us. Yeah, And by the way, we're going to give away Black Crows tickets later in the show, too. People love the Black Crows. We learned this yesterday. Michelle, it looks like the Chicago Cubs are going to tear down. Here they are. They're only a game behind the Cardinals in the standings. But when you look at their free agents, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Wilson Contreras only has a year left, Craig Kimbrell, Dan Winkler, they have an array of good players that have been very productive for them that are free agents. And it seems, at least from my point of view, as if the Cubs are going to tear down again. Cardinals are not in the business of tearing down. They hate the idea Mm -hmm. of finishing in last place. That's why they go out and trade prospects for people like Goldschmidt and Arenado and Marcelo Zuna. And, And the Cardinals are going to have a chance next year. They're going to go into the season with a chance. If the Cubs go into next season without Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Kimbrell, maybe trade Contreras, they do, They are not going to have a chance. Now, back in 2012, Theo Epstein took over as the Cubs president of baseball operations. They finished in last place. They went 61 and 101. Then they went 66 and 96. Then they went 73 and 89 before their breakout, hiring Joe Madden in 2015. My question and your question is, and and we'll both give our answers to this, what position would you rather be in? Would you rather be in a position where you tank for three years and hopefully Mm -hmm. get back to that 97-98 win team in the fourth year, or and you're going to spend three years with bad baseball? Or would you rather have guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt and Flaherty and hopefully make a move or two this offseason and take your shot? I like competing every year. It's been a long time since the Cardinals have been really bad for an extended Mm -hmm. period. I think you have to go back to, actually, they weren't horrible in the early 90s under Joe Torre. But I I think I'd rather compete every year and and take a chance. I think I'm with you. But I wanted to look at the process of both clubs because I think it's very easy for us to say, yeah, we'd rather have a chance to compete every year and we'd rather have a chance to watch at least entertaining baseball every year. But Cardinals fans have been complaining for the past few years that this is a team just trying to make the playoffs, not trying to win the World Series, where I think the Cubs, even though they have to tear it down, rebuild it up, their goal is to build a team to win a World Series. So I did a little little numbers here, Randy. You mentioned Theo Epstein came on in 2011. So let's throw out the Cardinals World Series championship in 2011, and let's just look from 2012 to present day, okay? Mm -hmm. The Cubs have missed the the postseason four times since 2012. 12, 13, 14, and 19. The Cardinals only three times, 16, 17, and 18. So pretty comparable. Mm -hmm. During that time, the Cubs have made the playoffs as a whole five times. The Cardinals six times. The Cubs 15, 16, 17, 18 last season. Cardinals 
12, 13, 14, 15, and 19, and 20. And I know 2020, not a great showing for both the Cardinals and the Cubs in the postseason, but technically they both made it, right? So going to the NLCS, the Cubs have made it to the NLCS, at least to the NLCS three times, 15, 16, and 17. The Cardinals four times, 12, 13, 14, and 19. And again, that 2019 NLCS, not a great showing from the Cardinals, but they at least made it to the NLCS. And then what does everybody care about? World Series championships. In that time, the Cardinals and the Cubs both have won World Series appearance, the Cubs winning one, the Cardinals losing. So when you look at the process, the output is pretty comparable as far as postseason success. Yes, the Cubs got the ultimate goal and winning the World Series, and the the Cardinals did not. But when you think about it, I would much rather have a team that at least is in the conversation every year and is going out there and acquiring guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado and keeping that consistency rather than tearing it down and having years of miserable baseball if the output at the end of the day is going to be pretty comparable. And even when the Cardinals have not made the playoffs, Michelle, I believe in that time frame, they played less than 10 meaningless games in September where they are out of the race. So yeah. the, most seasons, they go into the final week, if not the final day of the season, with an opportunity to make the playoffs. Now, there is a negative here because John Mozeliak, until last week, never had picked lower than 19th. He had the 18th pick last week. So there is a price to pay for being good because if you're the Cubs, you got to take Chris Bryant with the second pick. You got to take Javi Baez in the top 10. You got to take Schwarber at number four. You got to take Albert Almora in the top five. Uh, they got a chance to load up on high draft picks. But the problem is you can miss on those draft picks too. That's one of the issues that the Houston Astros were able to work around. Only one of their top picks has actually worked out. That was Bregman. But they took Brady Aiken with a top pick. They took Mark Appel with a top pick in the draft. And those guys really haven't worked out. So not only do you have to lose, but then you have to nail your draft picks as well. Right. And that's what Theo did. He nailed those draft picks with offensive players. Didn't draft pitchers very well. But it's not an automatic, is my point, that you're going to be good just because you're bad for three years. No, how many other franchises have been bad for a long time yeah. and they didn't Pirates, cap- Royals. capture that yeah. World Series championship? And the Cubs were one rain delay away from not winning that World Series. It's, it's all mm-hmm. very fragile. Winning is difficult. However, I do think it's pretty fascinating when you look at how comparable the postseason success is because I think most people would look at the Cubs and they only captured one World Series in that time and they had to go through all that losing to get there but they did have pretty much the similar amount of postseason success for the Cardinals and I think that that's the problem that a lot of Cardinals fans have as I will say it again is they feel like even though there's the teardown the teardown is with an eye to building a World Series championship team whereas with the Cardinals I think a lot of people are frustrated because they think they want the team to be good and to be a playoff team but not necessarily great in a World Series contender and you can find success following either model but I don't think that the Cardinals can continue to look back to 2011 and rely on that because that team was an outlier. They got hot at the right time. So many things fell their way. You had Albert Pujols on that team. You had Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan in the dugout. And I think if, you, if you're the Cardinals and you're looking at the Cubs, yes, you've had a lot of postseason experience and postseason appearances during that time, but the ultimate scoreboard is World Series and they're up one nothing. Yeah, and ultimately, though, Winning a World Series is really hard. Really hard. 
and if you look at since the advent of the the playoffs in 1969, I, I was looking at this the other day. The Cardinals have won three in that time. Cardinals have only won three World Series in the last 52 years. Yankees won seven. The Reds with the big red machine, they've only won three. The Dodgers have won three in 52 years. The, the, the Phillies have won a couple. It, it's just very difficult. And you have the Yankees with their seven, then everybody else. Cardinals with three. Red Sox with four. But... I think sometimes we get the idea that, oh, well, we'll just do this and you're going to win the World Series. It's very difficult and and it's joyous if the end all is to win the World Series. But it's, again, really, really difficult to do. If, If it was easy to do, the Yankees with all their resources would win the World Series every year. Well, we, we've only talked about two processes, which is the Cardinals consist, trying to consistently mm-hmm. win, the Cubs tear it down, build it back up. How about the Dodgers, who have spent, 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 and how many World Series did they get? They're yeah. in the same bucket as the Cubs, right? They've won one World Series during that stretch, and it's during a truncated, pandemic-riddled season. So I think, if anything, illustrates how difficult it is to win. If you look at the Dodgers, and they've only won one World Series during yeah. that time, it's very, very hard to win. And I think at the end of the day, I would much rather rather be a fan of or have to watch a team that at least is entertaining and competitive within the division and maybe will be in the playoffs every year rather than tear it down and be miserable for a few years. One other quick text here. This from the 314. The Cardinals know they don't have to put an expensive high-end product out there to get the revenue. There's no, no incentive for them to push. Cardinals are in the top 10 in payroll pretty much every year and they are the number 22 or 23 market. They spend significantly more money than any team that's not a top 10 market. So I, if they know that, they, they might know it, but they don't apply it mm-hmm. because the Cardinals very easily could have a payroll that's at number 20 because they're in the number 23 market. They, they could easily do that. If they know they don't have to spend money, then why don't they have the 20th or 25th payroll? And by the way, have you been to a game and seen the crowds? Cardinals have had one crowd above 35,000 so far, and I believe only two above 30,000. So I don't think it's an automatic, Michelle, that the Cardinals just throw a bunch of players out there on the field and people are going to show up. No, I, th- I think it's the summertime. A lot of people are traveling, especially after a year where everyone was inside. People mm-hmm. want to get out. They're traveling. I think there are probably some people that are still reluctant to go in a big crowd like that. And I think there are people who don't want to go see a team if they don't believe they have a chance to win. And based on what you saw in June from this team, I can't imagine there were a ton of people super pumped to watch them in July. No, no. And, and I just think that, the Cardinals get a bad rap for the amount of money they spend. Now, do they spend it smartly? You've got $60 million coming off the books that includes Andrew Miller, Dexter Fowler, Matt Carpenter, Carlos Martinez this offseason. Do they spend smart all the time? No. But do they spend enough to win? Pretty much every year they spend enough to win. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight for you on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. 
It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fight. We do this every day at 830. And yesterday, Randy put a stop to a streak. Nick won three days in a row, cementing him as a Hall of Famer. And you can head to 101ESPN.com. Check out his photo there. He is in the Fight Hall of Fame. He then took the fight the next day to extend the streak to four, but he took it Randy style, which means he got no options but did have one lifeline on the table. He tried to extend the streak to five. He got a little ahead of himself. He started asking about being in an inner circle of the Fight Hall of Fame. And I said, whoa, 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 Nick. Get past today first. And he couldn't do it. So Randy put a stop to Nick's streak, an impressive streak of four yesterday, which means we have a brand new fighter taking on Randy today. Michael is that fighter. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you all? We are great. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? We'll see. All right. Well, good luck to you, Michael. Here's question number one. Happy 46th birthday to two-time NBA champion Ray Allen. With which team did Ray Allen win his first NBA championship? Was it the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, or the Seattle Supersonics? Uh, Boston Celtics. Another happy birthday to brother of Cardinals catcher and Cardinals Spanish radio broadcaster Benji Molina, who turned 47 today. Which team did Molina win a World Series ring with in 2002? Is it the San Francisco Giants, the Anaheim Angels, or the Florida Marlins? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go San Francisco Giants. Question number three for you, Michael. Dylan Carlson put the Cardinals on the board first with an RBI single up the middle last night, scoring Harrison Bader in the third. What year did the Cardinals draft Carlson with the 33rd pick and the MLB draft out of Elk Grove High School? Was it 2016, 2017, or 2018? Um, I'm going to go... Three years ago. Uh, I'm going to go 18, 2018. And on September 13th of last season, Cubs right-hander and last night's starter Alec Mills threw the first no-hitter of his career. Which NL Central team did he do this against? Was it the Brewers, the Pirates, or the Reds? Uh, the Pirates. Okay. Score check. All right, great. Michael, where are you calling from today? I am driving south of Sykeston right now. South of Sykeston for work, I'm assuming? Oh, yes. What do you do for work, Michael, if you don't mind sharing? I am, uh, I'm outside sales, so I travel around kind of up and down the Mississippi selling stuff. Nice. Well, hopefully as you're driving around, you're listening to 101 ESPN. Absolutely. All right, Randy, say good morning to Michael, your new challenger today. Michael, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Great, Randy. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Question number one, Randy. Happy 46th birthday to two-time NBA champion Ray Allen. With which team did Ray Allen win his first NBA championship? The Boston Celtics, 2008. Another happy birthday to brother of Cardinals catcher and Cardinals Spanish radio broadcaster Benji Molina, Mm -hmm. who turns 47 today. Happy birthday, Benji. Which team did Molina win a World Series ring with in 2002? 2002, he was with the Angels and then got rings in 2011. Or no, it was 2010 from both the Giants and the Rangers. 
Question number three, Randy Dylan Carlson put the Cardinals on the board first with an RBI single up the middle last night, scoring Harrison Bader in the third. What year did the Cardinals draft Carlson with the 33rd pick in the MLB draft out of Elk Grove High School? Elk Grove High School, where his dad was the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last year was his rookie year, and he turned 21. So that was 20, 19. I'm going to go 17. And on September 13th of last season, Cubs right-hander and last night's starter Alec Mills threw the first no-hitter of his career. Which NL Central team did he do this against? Who did he beat uh, with his no-hitter? Well, let's see. It wasn't the Cardinals. So that means it was the the three are the Reds, the Pirates, and the Brewers, right? One in three chance. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it seems like it might have been the Brewers. I'm going with the Brewers. All right. Who is the victor? Emily, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. He is back, folks. Randy does not like to get beat. And after Nick went on that streak, I said to Randy before the fight, I go, I have a, I have a feeling that today starts a pretty long streak of winning for you. Randy's a competitive guy. And he proved me right. Sorry, Michael. Randy did beat you three to one. And let's go through our answers. So you both got this one right. Ray Allen won his first NBA championship with the Boston Celtics in 2008. Benji Molina, happy birthday to Benji, one of our favorites. He won a World Series ring with the Anaheim Angels in 2002. Dylan Carlson was drafted by the Cardinals with the 33rd pick in the Major League Baseball draft out of Elk Grove High School in 2016. 16, okay. It was 2016. And Alec Mills threw the first no-hitter of his career against the Brewers. The Brewers. It was last season. It was a 12 to nothing win at Miller Park. Michael, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Have an awesome rest of your day. Hey, thanks for having me. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Thank you, Michael. Michelle, you going to help out? Why? With the Z-O-U. I am a fan of Coach Drink, and I wish the Tigers success this season. I'll tell we need to hear. That's what I'm saying. Mike Claiborne will join us next to, with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One thing we have learned about the St. Louis Cardinals for 2021 is that if you put Mike Claiborne on the play-by-play for a portion of the game on the Cardinals radio network on KMOX here in St. Louis, if you put Mike Claiborne on the play-by-play for a portion of the game, the Cardinals are just a much better team. I don't know why that is, but uh, maybe Mike can tell us. He's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm good. I, you know what? They may be better for an inning or two, but it's more up to them than it is me. Trust me. <laughs> How about that inning last night, though, with not oh, getting the goodness. ball out of the infield and scoring four? <laughs> you know, it, it was like the Keystone Cops, man. I, I, You know, you, you don't see it, obviously, very often. And everything was just like, wow, I can't believe the big leaguers are doing this. And it made you think of a little league game, but now you know why the Cubs are the Cubs. I mean, they, they find a way to beat themselves. And we were just talking about that, actually. Claves, Randy played for me one of the all-time Cubs plays during the break. Brant Brown. 
<laughs> and uh, it just, oh boy, <laughs> yeah, it was very fun to revisit that. But it, I, we were talking about this earlier in the show. If you're the Cubs, it's just human nature. It's got to be difficult to play right now when your mind is likely elsewhere, wondering if you're going to be on the team in a matter of days, what where your teammates will be. It's a really I, precarious I time for them, and I feel like a, a vulnerable time that the Cardinals need to take advantage of. Michelle, I couldn't agree with you more. They are distracted. There's no question about it. Um, and last night, I think it showed. And, you know, Baez, is, he's having a terrible season as it is. You know, the guy struck out 123 times already. He's on course to strike over over 200 times. And I think he's the guy that if you're the Cubs, you have to ask yourself a question. Is this going to get any better? And And should we move him? Uh, you know, I, I think him, Bryant, Rizzo, I think may come back. Uh, I, I think he's just been such a good citizen and just one of their one of their real leaders. Um, you know, but I, I think Bryant and, and Baez are two guys that they have to really think about what their future is going to look like uh, in Chicago. So with that on their minds, I, I think you're going to see more things like that until the end of the month. And Mike, I, I'm a Baez fan of his defense and of his ability but if I'm a winning team, there's no way I'm giving Javi Baez a big money long-term contract because he doesn't do enough things with that ability to help you win. I agree. I mean, he he's fascinating. I mean, you know, he he can he can play shortstop. He, he's got a great arm. He's got great ability. Uh, he hits for power. But man, his fundamentals are shaky. Well, I just mentioned the fact he struck out 123 times. You know, I mentioned to Mike Shannon last night, you know, in Mike's career, Mike was as free swinger as anyone. The most he ever struck out in the season was 117. And Baez has already eclipsed that. Uh, and when you think about the other things that he does, he, he doesn't walk. He doesn't have extra bases on his list as, as a forte. Either he hits a home run or he strikes out. And I just don't know if you can make that sort of commitment to a guy these days. So they've got some real problems uh, in Chicago right now, and how they fix them, I just don't know. And and really, it it looks like they're going to have to get out of line and rebuild. Hey, Mike, I want to go back to the idea of them being distracted because you and I both have a lot of friends that played on the 1990 Cardinals. Remember what a mess that was with you had Pendleton, you had Coleman, you had Willie, you had Ken Daly, you had Guerrero. uh, And that team, even though it was a pretty good, it was a talented team, you take those names, you say they should be pretty good. But that team was a mess because they were all going to be free agents. You're right. Um, and, And that year before, and you remember they lost that series up in Chicago, yep. and Warrell got hurt. Uh, and then that next year, they and, and Dow Maxwell was the general manager at the time, and he never said a word and left everybody in limbo. And the distraction they created was something that the Cardinals, in my opinion, Randy, never recovered from uh, until the late 90s, you know, when, when Tony and Walt mm-hmm. got here because they were they were truly in a disarray. And I know as a general manager, it's not like you can walk up to a guy every day and say, hey, look, this is what we're thinking, because you don't know what to say because, you know, it's an ongoing situation. But I think in Chicago with Theo leaving and Judd Hoyer trying to fix, you know, what turns out to be a mess. You know, one of the things about Theo Epstein, we saw the same thing in Boston. You know, they won the one time or the two times, and then when they turned around and realized they had a mess on their hands, the same thing applies in Chicago. Um, and, you know, again, they're going to have to start over again. They don't have enough parts to, to contend. They, they really don't. I mean, their pitching after Hendricks is, is shaky. 
Craig Kimbrell is a guy that's having a good season, but, you know, you're not going to win with him. I mean, he's not going to win there. And we mentioned some of their other players. It's it's going to be an unfortunate situation if you are a Cub fan. I am not a Cub <laughs> fan, so I really don't care. Claves, we were talking about this yesterday. It seems like if you go back to the Cardinals closing out the first half, that first series versus the Giants, before that there was a lot of comments made from players about team meetings and about adjusting the approach that the team was taking. They go, they win that series versus the Giants, split with the Cubs, and then it seems like since they've come back from the All-Star break, that energy, that change in energy is still there. Are you getting that same vibe from the Cardinals yeah. that it seems like they've they found something? Well, yeah, and I'll go back to the, the road trip before the All-Star break. Uh, they played well in Colorado, San Francisco, and Chicago. They didn't have the outcome that they'd hoped for. But, you know, they didn't give up. Uh, they weren't sulking. They weren't having pity parties. Guys were showing up to the ballpark, getting extra work in. Uh, they made a commitment. And, and I, I tip Mike Schilt, I tip his cap because of the fact that he's kind of kept these guys together. They've got, they have veterans on the team. But you're absolutely right. They have played better. They've had a different approach. I think some of the guys have realized what they can and what they can't do, and it's starting to show every night. Uh, The effort's been there from day one, and I think that's the difference between the Cardinals and teams that are wavering around 500. You know, the Cubs be the most recent example. You just don't know if you have 26 guys that are on the same page because of the distractions that we talked about earlier. What's your confidence level in the Cardinals being able to get into the hunt here by September? I feel good about it. Uh, you know, I think Milwaukee will come back to the pack because, you know, they, they, they're a worse hitting team than the Cardinals. Their pitching is good, but you have to wonder. They, they lost uh, the young man from St. Louis, Williams, here recently. He's on the injured list. You have to wonder the way Craig Council uses his bullpen, will they have enough bullets down the stretch? And I think that's going to be the big concern. So I, I think the division is still within reach. The Cardinals need some help also. Um, you know, I, I still think they need another starter. I think I think they need a left-handed bat off the bench. Uh, those are the two things that they've got to find. And, and I'm talking about a starter that can give you legitimate innings. Last night, Jake Woodford was terrific. But I think I need a little bit more experience uh, and a guy who can go to seven innings instead of five. I think that's very important for a bullpen that's still trying to figure it out after you get past Reyes, Gallegos, and Cabrera. Claves, Carlos Martinez underwent surgery to repair that torn ligament in his thumb. His season's likely over. His Cardinals career may likely be over. Randy and I have been talking about this a lot today. With the potential that was there and what you expected Carlos Martinez to be and what reality was, is he one of the all-time what-ifs for you when it comes to Cardinals players? Yeah, he's in that conversation. And, and Randy, you you and I saw Jose De Leon Mm -hmm. and – and Silvio Martinez, two other guys who were similar with, with talent. And you looked at them and you, you kept wondering, why is this guy 500? Why is this guy under 500? You know, why isn't this guy more consistent? Uh, yeah, they've had a few. And I, and I think if you look around good organizations, they all have that sort of guy that you say, what if and, and what happened? Um, and, and it's unfortunate because he is a talented player. I mean, he's got, and I've said it countless times, his stuff when he is right is as good as anyone on his team. But, you know, he's just not right, whether it's mentally or whether he's had a physical setback. 
it, it just didn't come together as often as you would have thought it would, especially at this stage of his career. You can follow Mike Claiborne on Twitter at Claves Online, and of course, you can visit the website ClavesOnline.com. What's happening on the site right now? Well, you know, we're in the Olympic spirit, so uh, we've got Dr. Rick Lehman and Jackie Joyner-Kersey and myself talking Olympics and injuries and her her incredible career. Uh, later, we're going to have uh, Everett Fitzhugh. He's the new voice, the radio voice for the uh, Seattle Kraken. And uh, we, we're hoping that he and uh, Vladimir Tarasenko get to know each other very well. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, uh, we, we think cross. I'm saying, oh, he's a great guy. You're going to love this guy, man. I mean, you know. So uh, we're going to visit with him and just talk about that whole process of how expansion works. Because, you know, Randy and Michelle, we all grew up in eras where when you were an expansion team, you felt like, okay, it's going to take us five years to get to 500. Well, Vegas proved that, you know what, if you draft well, you can find yourself in postseason a lot sooner. So, and with Seattle, there's so many good players that are going to be available to them. Uh, they can make it interesting right off the bat. So, uh, we'll talk with him about that situation and how things are shaking in Seattle and just what the National Hockey League is going to look like after uh, the expansion draft and the, and the entry draft. Hey, Mike, one other quick and free note. Free agency. I think, this is my opinion, because Atlanta is a front-running town, I think if the Atlanta Thrashers had, had had the same rules as these two last two teams, I think they would have survived in Atlanta. I agree with you. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, is, is, and you're right. That's a front-runner town. And if they would have had the same opportunities to get the players at Vegas and Seattle are, are having a chance at, they, would, they could be hockey town USA. I mean, they really could because they – they support well. They even support the Falcons when they were terrible. So, um, but a hockey team in that town, and you know they've lost two teams now. But but I agree with you. Claves, have a great day. We'll be tuned in tonight, and it's always great to have you with us. I know you're you're out next week taking a little trip, huh? We're gonna we're gonna we got a couple of things we need to get done. So I'm just gonna take some time and have a quick little vacation and uh, get back for that home stand against Minnesota. Hey, by the way, congratulations on the ratings book. Uh, you guys continue to knock it out of the park, and uh, it's a well-run operation over there. So keep up the great work. Thank you, Claves. You know, you started coming on with us, and yeah. the ratings started going up. No coincidence there. Well, uh, I, I don't know about all that, but maybe that's, maybe that's a bonus there. Maybe, maybe there's a new incentive there. So we'll, we'll see. But have fun, you guys, and take care. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. That is uh, the great Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at Claves Online. Seriously, no coincidence there. No. Klaibs comes on, the ratings go through the roof. We can connect the dots here. Yep. <laughs> we watched uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Connect the dots. La, 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 la. Did you ever watch that? Oh, that caused a lot of drama in my household. So oh. I was a fan of Pee Wee. My cousin was not. Mm. And I used to torture her by watching that. And we had a doll. You know, he would do the laugh. I would chase her around the ah. house with it. We had to hide it because she was so terrified of him. <laughs> I love yeah, that it, was, it was bad. Coming up, <laughs> Sorry, who, would, who would you rather be in the position of, a Cubs fan or a Cardinals fan? That's next. We want your texts on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
907 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. And the question is simple. The Cubs appear to be headed into another rebuild. Would you rather be, if you're a Cardinal fan right now or a Cubs fan, whose position would you rather be in? The Cardinals, who appear to main, want to maintain a level of competitiveness but aren't going to get appreciably younger with top five, top 10 picks or the Cubs who appear to be headed towards more top five, top six, top seven, eight picks, but will probably have a bad three or four years. Who would you rather be in the position of? From the 314, June was one of the worst months of Cardinals baseballs. I baseball I've watched in over a decade, and that was just one month, and the team still finished close to 500. No way could I stand three years of baseball any worse than that. And that's what you would have to do because the Cubs in those first three years under Theo Epstein were pretty abysmal. 61 and 101, and they wound, they wound up winning more games each year, but I just don't know how we as Cardinal Nation would handle losing 100 games. I think that text brings up a valid point because I always say this, self-awareness is the most important quality you can have. To have the self-awareness to know that we felt like the world was ending from a sports perspective last month when the Cardinals were as bad as they were, to think that we could sustain not only a year of that, but maybe multiple years of the team performing like that. No way. Fans would lose their minds. Even if they felt like the team was building towards a potential World Series contender, there's no way people would put up with that. So I appreciate that text for having the self-confidence, the self-awareness to know how miserable June was that they would never want to deal with that. Here's another one from the 314, Randy. From a casual fan standpoint, I'd rather be a Cubs fan. At least there's a clear direction of the franchise. The Cardinals have been caught in the middle for a number of years with no direction or vision. To me, that's the worst place to be. They aren't even good enough to go for it, and they're not bad enough to tank. I think the front office approach is stale. Well, we certainly have seen rebuilds work with Houston winning a world championship and the Cubs winning a world championship. We've also seen them not work. We have seen a lot of, in our division, the Reds and Pirates over the years. The Brewers finally made it work. You you see the Royals. You see where the Tigers are right now. For the most part, teams that do try that, oh, we're going to go to the bottom of the standings and then bounce back. For the most part, when that happens, it does not result in World Series. And as we're seeing with the Cubs, it doesn't result in consistent competitiveness Mm -hmm. the Cubs within the space and the Red Sox by the way have done this too are going to win a World Series and finish in last place in their division from the 314 my thought is that an average basically 500 Cardinals team won the World Series they did 83 wins in 19 in 2006 but you can't rely on that that can't be the model no, you, you hate to rely on the randomness of the postseason. But there is something to be said for being in the postseason because it gives you a chance. You can't win the World Series unless you make the playoffs. Great point. That is a fact. But I think that's what Cardinals fans were frustrated with, that the goal is to make the playoffs and see what happens rather than build a team with the World Series in mind. And I, th- I think from the Cardinals standpoint, they think they are building a World Series team or at least a team that could potentially get there. I don't think that... I think what the fans think the team's approach is and what the team actually thinks their approach is is different. And if I'll say this. If you have the current starting eight playing up to their capabilities and you have Jack Flaherty fronting a rotation with 
a healthy Adam Wainwright and a healthy Miles Michaelis and KK with the back end of the bullpen that they have, if those guys are playing to their capabilities, I'll take my chances in the playoffs with any of those guys. Yeah. Let's say everyone on the Cardinals is healthy. Everyone on the Cardinals is healthy. Imagine if you had Jordan Hicks. Imagine if... Paul DeYoung and Harrison Bader didn't have time off because of injuries. If if KK was healthy the entire time, Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, the team that they put together, barring injuries, would hopefully be much better than what we saw in the first half. But that's baseball. You deal with injuries at sports, period. You're going to deal with injuries. And it's just, is your depth strong enough and the, the talent that you have strong enough to sustain injuries? And the big thing for this team is Jack Flaherty. If Jack Flaherty was available for the first two months, April and May, and then he's been gone for June and July. If Jack Flaherty had been the same pitcher in a healthy Jack Flaherty, had been there for you in June and July and done the same thing that he did in April and May, you'd be right there. You'd be within a game of the Brewers. Right. So, but that's what happens. Yeah, it is. So what you need is Alex Reyes in your starting rotation is what what we're saying. That would be great. From the 314, I am a diehard Cardinals fans. No rebuild for me. No. they Rebuilds have not historically been something that Cardinal fans have been thrilled with. Getting high draft choices has not been particularly successful for the Cardinals. No, hasn't. From the 618, the Cubs were known for trying to build their free agency, and it's gotten them nowhere. Most of those guys Theo Epstein inherited were out of the majors in the next couple years. Yeah, that was a really bad organization that they that he inherited. And I give them some credit. They deserve credit for utilizing the draft. and They, they actually did a better job with the draft with Theo and Jed Hoyer. As an example, then Houston did. The World Series that Houston won was not a product of Jeff Luno's drafts as much as it was the people that Ed Wade brought in and them signing free agents and making trades for people like Verlander. Mm-hmm. But the Cubs, overall, uh, their top picks have uh, wound up being pretty good. Can I give you one more, Randy? Yeah. From the 949, we need to learn as a fan base to practice some patience. Injuries and players not playing to their potential has been the reasons why these conversations come about. Think about the start of the season. Nobody was talking about this. No. Everybody was excited about Nolan Arenado. We right. didn't have the injuries. They were pretty healthy. That's true. So, But we are a live-in-the-moment society. We are a microwave society, and we want it now. By the way, I can give you... The Theo Epstein picks it helped them win a World Series. Please do. Javi Baez was taken in eleven before okay. he got there. So in twelve, their first rounders were guys named Paul Blackburn and Pierce Johnson. They got Almara in two thousand twelve also with the sixth pick in the draft. And then in thirteen they took Bryant. In fourteen they took Schwarber. In fifteen they took Ian Happ, who wasn't there for the championship. So the big things for. Theo Mm -hmm. were getting Bryant and Schwarber and then signing guys like John Lester and John Lackey and Jason Hayward and Dexter Fowler. They did utilize free agency a lot. That team that won the World Series, though, Bryant was the MVP. And Schwarber came back and hit like 
there was no tomorrow in the World Series. Combination. And, and Baez the year before, the before, before Theo got there was a big thing, too. I think we should end it on this one. I do have one more from the 314. After suffering through the Rams rebuild from 05 to 2015, I'll pass. Hard pass. <laughs> Great call. Yeah, we did not handle that particularly well either. We didn't. We weren't happy about it. And just because the plan is to tear down and rebuild doesn't mean you're going to build a sturdy foundation. Not at all. That foundation could well, have a lot of cracks in it. Hey, are, are the Cubs not proof of that right now? Good call. That's Michelle, and that is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. This just in, Randy, from Adam Schefter. Some information on the Aaron Rodgers saga. Oh, here we go. Here we go. According to Adam Schefter on Twitter, this offseason, the Packers offered Aaron Rodgers a two-year contract extension that would have tied him to Green Bay for five more seasons and made him the highest-paid quarterback and player in football. He declined the offer. Proof, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. So who could it be about if he said, I love my teammates, I love my coaches, I love the fans, I love Green Bay. So who could it be about? I'm going to go ahead and just guess here. This is just a wild guess. Maybe someone that we have observed to be one of the most stubborn people in the history of sports really is that upset about the Jordan Love pick. And he is that that angry at the front office that it's not about money. He doesn't care about being the highest paid quarterback and player in football and player period in football. It's not about that designation. It's that he feels slighted and wants the person that made him feel that way to not be with the organization. I would suggest that he get over it and continue to prove that he's better than the guy that was drafted by him. Hey, Barry Jordan Love, if you don't like it, prove to the Packers that you should have been the guy all along, right? One would think. Yeah, that's all you have to do. If this is somebody that's motivated by slights, the pick happened last season. You go on to be the MVP, almost make it to the Super Bowl. I would think there's some logs on that fire. Yeah, you threw 48 touchdown passes. Another wide receiver taken with that pick in the first round would not have made a difference. It wasn't going to cause you to throw 52 touchdown passes. You were fine in that regard. The Packers were worrying about when you are 40, 41 and aren't around anymore. So let them... GM and you QB. And I also think it clearly has to be that because what he said on Sports Center about the culture not being the same. If this was just listen guys, I am engaged to someone that lives in Hollywood. My personal life is taking the forefront of my life. I don't want to live in Green Bay the majority of the year anymore. I need to get out because that's what my priority is going to be moving forward then I think a lot of people may understand that. But that's never been mentioned. That's never been something that's been brought up other than us seeing photos of him in Hawaii and him referencing how happy he's been, that he's the happiest he's been in his entire life. When he had the opportunity to speak on this situation, he made a very pointed comment about the culture of the organization. And that can only lead you to believe that it's from one facet of the Mm -hmm. organization, and that's the front office or the people that are running the operation. Things like that tend to have a a trickle-down effect. So clearly he has beef with someone, and... I really respect it because this is one of the all-time grudge moves. Most people would be lured by the idea of getting the most money out Mm -hmm. of any quarterback. Take the ego of you being 
mad about the pick and replace it with the ego that you the ego bump you get to be the highest paid quarterback among your peers and the designation of being the highest paid guy in the league. Most people would find that pretty alluring and maybe put a little bit of this aside, but not Aaron Rodgers. No, and his approach has been at best disingenuous in trying to get this accomplished. He, he's got platforms. He shows up on uh, a radio show every week, right? The, he, the uh, punter from the Colts. The Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee show. He does that every week. He had the platform during press conferences leading up to the NFC Championship game, after the NFC Championship game. And this didn't come out until draft day. So if he wanted to leave Green Bay, he could have done it in a more measured manner than he has that wouldn't have caused all this consternation. So... Well, he might be stubborn and not want to cut, be in Green Bay anymore. His opportunity to be, get out of Green Bay was earlier in the offseason. But does this make you believe that if he's stubborn enough to turn down that money, that he is stubborn enough to just not play? Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. And that'd be cool to go out on a uh, MVP season. That'd be great for him. But don't you think that we'll look back on this in 10, 20 years and say we cannot believe that as the reigning MVP with stuff left in the tank and a good team around you that he would just walk away because of something that in the grand scheme of things seems relatively petty. This is what front mm-hmm. offices do as they need to try to build the best team. You might not play forever, Aaron Rodgers. Newsflash, you may not play forever. And they owe you, they don't owe you the consultation of or your blessing, I should say, to draft another quarterback. And I wonder if in 20 years, if he does walk away from this because of this instance, if that's something he'll regret. Jim Brown, still legendary. Now, he was 28, I believe, when he retired, or maybe 30. He was a lot younger than Aaron Rodgers is now and quit to do movies and never came back. And he had a good team, and he was the MVP. So there is precedent set, but Jim Brown is legendary because of that. So, yeah, I think that we'll look back on Rodgers as one of the more unusual cases in sports history. Okay, so right now, July 20th, does he play one snap for the Packers this year? Yes, he succumbs. Okay. I'm going to say no. And here's the thing. And who's ever right, wrong will spin the wheel. Okay. Deal. As much as he says he doesn't care about that money, Wait until he has to start seeing some leave his bank account because he's going to have to give back bonus money. And that is going to hurt. It's it's one thing to never have money. It's mm-hmm. another thing to have it and have to pay it back because you foolishly retired. And these people are wired differently. They are so competitive. I can't imagine him sitting around all season watching well, he probably wouldn't watch his team play, but I just can't imagine that someone that is that motivated to win could just turn it off on a dime. But I'm saying I don't think he'll play because he's got a point to prove. Wait till he gets the word that he's not going to be the host of Jeopardy. Then we'll see what happens. Oh, that would be tricky. That that might push him in one direction. You're right. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, so if there's kids in the car, earmuffs for a second because we're going to talk about the birds and the bees, okay? Okay, yeah. So, Randy, you know that at the Olympics, the Olympic Village, notorious for athletes getting busy. Mm-hmm. This is something that we know. There's uh, a lot of protection provided for these athletes in the Olympic Village because people know this is going to go down. Right. Well, in Tokyo's... And beyond, more than just like going down, too. 
Oh, Randy. So, Tokyo's Olympic Village, um, a lot has been made out of the beds that are in the Olympic Village because they're made out of cardboard. And there had been reports that these beds were made out of cardboard to deter athletes from getting busy because with the COVID still going on, they don't want athletes hooking up. So that was the rumor that was happening. Well, Reese McClanahan, he is an Irish gymnast. He decided to do a little science experiment because people said that the cardboard wouldn't sustain the movement uh, mm-hmm. or the gotcha. weight or the weight maybe of two people spending some late night time together. Mm-hmm. So Reese McClanahan, he put this theory to the test and tried out these beds. Not not what you think. Just take a listen. In today's episode of Fake News at the Olympic Games, the beds are meant to be anti-sex. They're made out of cardboard, yes, but apparently they're meant to break at any sudden movements. It's fake. Fake news. So he's jumping on the bed with all of his might, and the bed is very sturdy. Fake news. Fake news. So I don't know if that's a positive or a negative uh, to have the the Olympians now know that it's a sturdy bed. But basically, it was cardboard because it's from a sanitary standpoint. They're trying to do everything they can from a health and safety protocol standpoint, and cardboard beds allegedly part of it. Will not be comfortable. Doesn't look comfortable. No, I can't imagine that it will be. And if you're, he's a gymnast, you said. Yes. How about a gymnast? When you wake up in the morning, you're gonna, your body's gonna be pretty stiff after sleeping on cardboard, isn't it? You would think. Yeah. And I'm, I watched the video of him jumping on the bed. Huh? It doesn't look like there's any give at all. It doesn't look like the mattress is fluffy or there's bed. a topper on there. I want to stay in that NBA hotel. In the bubble. Wherever it is, yeah. The NBA guys aren't staying in the village. <laughs> no. Well, are they allowed to because of the COVID protocols? I, I don't know. I don't know if they have to stay on the cardboard well, beds, but I don't think that they'll be pleased. Historically, because the beds are not big enough to hold the typical 6-7, guy, they've put them in hotels, and I, I believe they'll still do that. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we're going to give away some tickets, so you want to stick around for that. And whose St. Louis career was more disappointing to you? Vladimir Tarasenko, who's good as gone, or Carlos Martinez, who's good as gone. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I am urging you, if you don't have the Instagram app, to download it. And if you only follow one person, follow Yadier Molina. But then (laughs) follow Michelle Smallman as well on the Insta. And here's why. Because Michelle is going to be at Westport Social Friday from 4 to 6 and going to be doing a ton of Insta. So it's really important that you follow Michelle at msmallman on the Instagram. And you can follow me at RJ Carriker as well. But the key thing is follow Michelle. And she's going to be guest bartending along with Lux from The Point and Learn from Casey. And there's going to be a lot of uh, cool Insta content. At M. Smallman. Some behind-the-scenes videos mm-hmm. of me not knowing how to make any cocktails but having a great time pouring vodka sodas for everyone. Here's the thing. If you come to me and don't tell Lux and learn this because this is my strategy, you're going to get a heavy pour. Wink, wink, okay? This is what's going to happen. I don't know how to make That's cocktails. More alcohol. That is more alcohol. I'm going to give you a heavy pour. We're going to have a laugh, and I'm going to send you on your way. 
Good. S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. Correct. So follow Michelle. And she needs to get up to 10,000 followers. So we can share the podcast every day. Yeah. That'd be a great thing. So we want that. And you want to be able to hear our podcast brought to you by I Promise. We are giving away a pair of tickets to the Black Crows. They're going to be playing July 31st at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And that is next Saturday, lawn tickets. And they're going to play Shake Your Money Maker. Oh, yeah. In its entirety, plus all their other hits. Tickets to see the Black Crows are on sale now, but we're going to give you a pair right now. You can find your chance to win tickets for the Black Crows at 101ESPN.com, on your 101 ESPN mobile app, or right here. And all you have to do is answer this question. And it's going to be texture number 44, which was Carlos Martinez's first number Mm -hmm. before he switched to 18. Texture number 44, if you can answer the question, what Saturday morning TV show Michelle's cousin hated? If you can answer (laughs) that question, you are on your way to see the Black Crows. We talked about this earlier in the show. Randy Mm -hmm. was a fan of it. I used to torture my cousin with it. So what show did Michelle torture her cousin with? Which Saturday morning TV show did Michelle's cousin hate? Oh, by the way, just received a text from the Cardinals. The Cardinals starting pitcher has been announced for today. And? Johan Oviedo. No surprise there. All right. So the question is, via the text line 65780 or with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, whose STL career was more disappointing for you? Was it Vladimir Tarasenko, whose career is ending in a bad way and really didn't accomplish anything in his last couple of years, although he did accomplish a lot Mm -hmm. in his prime? Or is it Carlos Martinez, who was regarded as potentially one of the top five starting pitchers in the National League, actually performed to a top five level for three seasons, but then fell off dramatically. And we take your text, 65780. Michelle, what do you got? From the 618, Martinez, no question. Vladdy brought us the cup. He did, although he didn't win the uh, Connie Smythe Trophy. He did win us. A, he did win a cup, and Carlos Martinez was part of a National League championship team, but obviously was not part of a World Championship team. From the five seven three, Carlos was for sure more disappointing than Vladdy. I remember after that bad start against the Mets opening day in twenty sixteen, he was light lights out. Excuse me, before he got hurt, we never got a great season out of him. Just great stretches with Vladdy. We got the cup and full seasons out of him. Yeah, Vladimir Tarasenko was one of the top two goal scorers along with Alex Ovechkin in the NHL for about four seasons. So he did provide great seasons, full seasons for you. Five seasons of 30-plus goals. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, from 2014 through 2018. Comparing Vladdy and Carlos is apples to oranges. Vladdy was fantastic here for a long time and brought a championship. Tarasenko shouldn't be tarnished as he leaves. We as Blues fans should be thanking him. We should. And I do think we have a tendency to have a recency bias, as we should, towards Carlos Martinez. But like I said, for a three-year period, Carlos Martinez was a top-five starter in the National League. He was really, really good, but we've forgotten that. From the three-one-four, Carlos, and it's not even close. He did so little with so much talent. Yeah, it is, and I wonder if that ever happens with athletes. If and Mike Claiborne was talking about a guy like Silvio Martinez or a guy like Jose De Leon, if they ever reach a point where they get to be 50 years old and say, man, I had so much talent and I wasted it. Let's get a mic drop. This is Alec on 101 ESPN. It has got to be Carlos Martinez was the most disappointing 
player of the two. I know Vladdy, he's still disappointing. I'm disappointed in that. But he got to raise the cup here. I think we saw the best of his career here. I think we saw the best of Carlos's career too. But I think he was a Cy Young type pitcher. He never truly peaked uh, to his potential. And I think, you know, he got bit by the injury bug. But I think part of the criticism on regards to his just mental toughness in general, whether it was on or off the field, and some of the uh, shenanigans he got into, I think that was part of the problem also. And uh, he just never really has been able to escape the injury bug, and he never was really able to mentally bear down once his stuff started to dissipate. So definitely more disappointed in him. Great mic drop, Alec. Thank you. Absolutely. It's so difficult because with Carlos, the consistency wasn't there. And I think equally as important is that you never knew what type of Carlos you were going to get. Whereas with Vladdy, yes, that there were reports of players not necessarily knowing where he is on the ice or him being upset about the sea, but you weren't worried about Vladimir Tarasenko in the offseason. You weren't worried that he may be in the news for some reason. Whereas with Carlos, you never really knew what was going on with him. And with Tarasenko, if indeed what was said about him, and I have every reason to believe that it is correct, that he he didn't play within the system. That might give you an idea of what his talent level was. Mm-hmm. If he would have, if he would have played within a system, and had somebody that he matched up with who knew exactly where he was going to be, maybe he could have done even more. Let's get a Rhino Shield mic drop from Dylan. I think without a doubt that Carlos Martinez was a bigger disappointment between him and Vladimir Tarasenko. Tarasenko, we had a superstar with him with the Blues and for a few years and. He helped us win the cup, and he was one of the biggest keys on that team to helping us win. And Martinez, you know, he was a pretty good star for a season or two, but he never reached his entire full potential. And, I mean, I remember more about his hair than I do his career, which, you know, is funny, but it's, you know, it's kind of disappointing once you think about it because I wish I could think about some of his key plays or key games and, just like Tarasenko had those big goals in the playoffs and his first career goal was exciting. And I couldn't tell you much about Martinez, his highlights at least. So I just, that's my opinion. One of the things about Carlos, and by the way, I I believe he has a thousand winning percentage here right now, right? Has anybody said Vladdy? I don't think so. I think it's all Carlos, but Carlos. Oh, we have one Vladdy that I didn't read yet. Okay, we'll get to it. Carlos in... 2019, when the Cardinals returned to the playoffs, he had to become their closer, and he was terrific. Even though he made things really exciting, I believe he had a stretch of 18 consecutive saves, and then I think he saved something like 24 out of 25, 24 out of 26, which is a really good save percentage for a closer. So he did a really good job in a position that the Cardinals really needed him down the stretch in 2019. Do you want to hear the Vladdy? Yes. From the 314, Vladdy is definitely more disappointing than Carlos because there's no 1A, 1B with Vladdy. He was the guy. When he went, the team went, or at least until Ryan O'Reilly got here, he showed so much promise and always seemed disinterested. He had games where he didn't show up, but I think every player does. I think the big thing with Vladdy, if, if I were to find a disappointment with him, it was that he had playoff games where he didn't appear to show up yet. He's still one of the all time great goals per game guys in NHL playoff history. If he would have been engaged all the time during the playoffs, I wonder what he could have been. And 
He, he was the guy that scored 36, 37, 38 goals. Could he have been a 45, 50-goal guy if he would have been a little bit more engaged? That's the only only bother I have from his career, but I'll take what we got from him. Well, there's a championship during his tenure. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks to the fact that they brought Ryan O'Reilly in. True, but... He's got it, though. Do you think he was a big part of it? And he played on that team. Do you think we'd feel differently about Carlos if he had um, a postseason moment that resulted in a Cardinals championship? Yes, I think so too. It's amazing to to think that if the Cardinals win two more games in 2013, this is probably a completely different conversation. If they win two more games against Boston. That's what it was, and they didn't. So he didn't win the World Championship. But if he's got a World Series ring, yeah, things are different. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to cross things over with Danny Mac, the Dan McLaughlin Show with BK. Coming up at the top of the hour, and we are going to have our ticket winner coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. to Andrew in Fairview Heights. He knew that Michelle tortured her cousin with the TV show Pee-wee's Playhouse. Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. So you, you had a Pee-wee doll that went, ha! Huh? Good one, Randy. Thanks. And you, you bothered her, huh? I did. She didn't like it. Sorry, Aaron, if you're listening, even though you're a doctor and you live in Columbia, Missouri, so I doubt that you're listening right now. You're probably at work. But she hated it, and I was a devil child and would torture her with the Pee Wee doll. But Randy, huge fan of Pee Wee Herman, learned that today in the show. Loved Pee Wee Herman. Yep. Connect isn't, the dots. La, 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 la. Connect the dots. La, 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 la. Isn't that surprising, Dan? Would you peg Randy as a Pee Wee Herman guy? Mm, thinking about it. <laughs> Hi, Cherry. I actually could see it. I could. Loved it. It was great. But I don't want to give the reasons why. No. Okay. Fair. Uh, no, no, no. Not going down that. The, no, 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 no. I know where you're going. No, not thinking that. Re- I'm just. That's where my mind the, goes. I understand. I, I'm thinking more of his character and how it could fit into Randy's personality. Okay. I, I could see that. Uh, Los Angeles Rams running back Cam Akers ruptured his Achilles while working on underwent testing that confirmed the injury. According to Adam Schefter, he's expected to miss the entire 2021 20, season. L.A. Rams running back Cam Akers, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> you said that with true conviction. That was the way I say it. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, thoughts and prayers for tease Cam. And, tease and peace for Cam. Yeah, yeah. Play for a better team. Oh, Randy, come it, on. Is the Super Bowl this year in L.A.? It, it is. is. It's going to be great just Ooh, at the time that yeah. the lawsuit's going on. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting timing for that, no? It's going to be great. So you were in the uh, courthouse, right? I was yeah, uh, last week. What national media? Were any national media there? The only national media that was there was Seth Wickersham from oh, ESPN. Oh, that's a good one. I was yeah. going to say, if okay. you're going to have any national media there, you want him because he's going to yeah. get all the dirt and yeah. tell the truth. Give me yeah. uh, give me him or Don Van Nata. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, both those guys. I always felt like if Bob Lee showed up at my front door, it was kind of <laughs> like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, right. You know, I didn't really want Bob Lee there. Oh, Mike Wallace is here from yeah. the old 60 Minutes days. Yeah. He just opened the door and closed it and say, I'm good. Yeah. It's over. If right. Bob's there, you know it's serious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like he shows up with a uh, you know, microphone, and then what's the yeah. what's the guy with the hood and the hench thing and the, you know. The Grim Reaper. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bob and Outside the Lines, yeah, they were great. Excellent. I loved I, Outside the Lines. Yeah. 
That's a show I they still do it. It's just hit and it's miss. weekly, right? With Jeremy Shep or something. Yeah. I think I know it's still on. I don't know the schedule. I was a big fan of that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Sports journalism is fun. No disrespect to Jeremy or anyone doing outside the lines now, but when Bob came on your television screen, it just carried some weight. Gravitas. Yeah. Gravitas. Yes, great did. word. Kind of like word. when Randy is, you know, gets serious. Oh, yeah. You know, it's you better watch out. Oh. Dan, Guy, for, the, for the Rams lawsuit, Randy took what was it? Ten pages of notes. Yeah, something he had, like that. He yeah, had a whole crazy. legal pad. So could you record it? No, uh. Uh-uh. So no, it just I, had to I'm be writing furiously. But could you record it if you wanted to? No. Okay, you couldn't. I don't think legally you can. No. Gotcha. All right. So, but heck, one of Cronky's lawyers you couldn't hear anyway because they had their backs to us with no microphone. Mm-hmm. So the uh, St. Louis lawyers were pretty loud, and then one of the league lawyers was loud enough so that you could hear him, but then another guy you could barely hear. So, yeah, I'm just I'm scribbling down notes furiously. Sure. Was that no. strategy, you think, of him not projecting so that maybe the media behind couldn't hear his arguments? That might be. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Stan just hires like-minded people. Silent Stan hires like-minded people. But you think you would not want to hire someone to be silent if they're defending you and billions of dollars are at stake. You'd think you want someone that would talk and yeah. pro- project. Yeah. And by the way, I believe today is the deadline for the St. Louis group, if they so desire to look into the finances of any of the other owners, for them to say, these are the people that we want to look into, and here's why. Mm. I don't know that they'll do that. They seemed pretty happy that they still had the league. The, the lawyers did, and that if they have the league, they have all 32 owners, well, so it I, really doesn't matter. I think what's interesting, and I, I'm going deep into the weeds here and not knowing how this all this stuff works, but you know these guys have so much wealth built up in property, that kind of thing, where I just wonder how liquid they are. Mm-hmm. You know, how much does, so if you want to go after Stan, you, you go after, you know, you want your money, but he's liquid. He's right. not liquid. Right. So, he's got land. Right. So how much is he? I mean, obviously he's worth a ton, but then how does that work as you move forward? I, I just don't know. Well, and just think about the fact, and I don't know if he had to do this, but he took out multiple loans. He got $900 million from the league to help build that stadium mm-hmm. and took out a multi-million dollar loan for cash as well. And you have to believe that some of the collateral used for that was the land right. that he has. That's right. So I, I, I agree with what you're saying. In terms of cash, if he wanted to get a billion dollars in cash today, he could, but does he have that in his account right now? He'd have to, I guess, divest himself of some of the yeah. properties. He's, I think, the fifth biggest landowner in the country. I think that's right. I, th- I thought I read that last week. If he slash they lose this lawsuit, if his personal scoreboard is where he ranks among the world's richest, how far down do you think he'd fall? Because if that's the scoreboard and that's where we want to hurt him is monetarily, I would love to take a big dent in that list. Yeah, if he loses a billion and a half, and according to Forbes, his net worth went down by about $5 billion last year. So Sad. if he loses a billion and a half cash, yeah, that would be pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And to think that of it. adds up. I mean, right? honestly, you start thinking back, like, how simple would it have been just to say, okay, there's National Car Rental Center on the uh, riverfront, and these people are putting in... A bunch of taxpayer money to to do this and to keep the Rams here. And by the way, league, you're still in good graces with the city, vice versa, and everything works out, and you're still going to make a bundle. How about as simple as, I'm Mm -hmm. from Missouri, and I want to pour back into Missouri? One sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been easy. He he doesn't like to speak. All he would have to do is say, I'm from here, 
and I want to be here. And he would have been, you know, in the good graces of the community Absolutely. by staying here and, and saying, hey, well, he leveraged what he had there at the lease, but it turned out to be great for uh, football fans and sports fans and soccer probably would have been uh, a part of that. And well, and now it's gone. And it would have been better for the league because they wouldn't have had to deal with this because for San sure. Diego and Oakland, you solve the California problem in L.A. with the Carson Project. San Diego and Oakland never had stadiums. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it just stadiums. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What do we got coming up on the Danny Mac show? From that to Bob Tewksbury. Tooks. Tooks is coming up. Now, for people that don't know, he is the former Cardinal pitcher, obviously. Many know that. But he has also been kind of a life coach, mental coach. He's written books on it. He's worked in Major League Baseball on the mental side of the game for various clubs. So, uh, And just a great guy. So yeah, I'm really, look, really looking forward to visiting with him. I told Michelle a story, I think it was just last week, about how one time he was telling me, yeah, I, I, uh, we were in the clubhouse and I just got up and was talking to the guys. I said, guys, we're all driving down Highway 40 on our way to work. Why not leave 15 minutes early? You drive past those children's hospitals every single day. Just drop by 15 minutes, go into a couple of kids' rooms, and you will make their lives. Not just make their days, Mm -hmm. but make their lives. And I thought that was just so notable for for an athlete to have that sort of self-awareness and try to spread that without uh, throughout the clubhouse. I, I've been on many of those trips, and I can tell you um, those kids may not have any idea who the player is, but they notice the jersey. Mm-hmm. And then they say, hey, here's Joe Blow, and they, they, they light up. It, it makes a difference, and um, it's great. I You know, that's people ask me, like, I'm going down a different story here. People ask me, what's your favorite call? You know, you've been doing it a long time. I said, well, Matt Holliday's final home run in St. Louis, which would have been his final at bat. And it mm-hmm. wasn't because the moment was great, but it's what he represented in this town that made it better. He would go all the time after games unsolicited and just stop into the kids' hospitals all the time. He did it all the time. Just after a game, he'd bring some bats, he'd bring some balls, Cleats, gloves, whatever. He'd walk in. He'd say, hi, guys. How's it? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Who's up? Because kids a lot of times can't sleep, you know, because yeah, yeah. they're sick. Yeah. And 400th home run ball, right? Oh, he, he did all that stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he, I remember one time he, um, I do a, a, a kid's cancer night, and it just happened to, it, didn't know this, but the kid that we were honoring that night, he said, hey, Dan, I'm a huge Cardinal fan. By the way, um, Matt Holiday came in and... Uh, and he said, do you know Matt? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and he said, uh, this ball I have, he's so proud of it. He said uh, he promised to hit me a home run one night, and the next day he did and brought the ball back the next day. I mean, he did that Amazing. kind of stuff all the time. What an incredible person. Yeah, yeah like I, he never talked about it. He and his wife donated millions of dollars in this town. They still help out. And uh, so I, I'll I'll tell those stories, but he Absolutely. won't. You know, he's yeah. very humble about that, but he did a lot in this town. Yeah. And by the way, all due respect to... Uh, Kent Bottenfield in 1999, the most amazing season by a pitcher out that wasn't named Bob Gibson in the history of this town. Bob Tewksbury going 16 and five with a 2.16 in 1992, finishing third in the Cy Young voting, throwing about 85. Yeah, Tops. remarkable. Yeah. Oh, and wasn't he? Didn't he throw the Ephus pitch to McGuire, to McGuire. too? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Great stuff. Yep. All right, we're looking forward to it. All right, guys, thanks. Thank you, Daniel. The Dan McLaughlin Show with BK coming up. We thank our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow yep. on... 
hump day. We will. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Yep. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.